Hey, this is Dirk Revuren from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. What's up, everybody? It's OJ. I'm back again. This time, we're Tom Osman, and this time, he's talking with Aerobrot. These kids are pretty dope. Their album of Darkness and Light is out now on Pelagic Records. Hi, this is Tom from Ghost Cult, and we're delighted to be joined by Kettle and Karen from Orobrot. Have I pronounced that correctly or close enough? Very good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> nice. So you've both just recently released Of Darkness and Light on Pelagic Records, which I want to get into. It's a really cool album. I'm I'm quite fascinated by it. It's activated and stimulated all kinds of memories from music of my youth that I didn't expect to be stimulated. It's, um, I think also it must be quite interesting for you when you think about the evolution of, of the band, of how you've changed since, you know, proposing a pact with Jesus back in 2005, even, I don't know, from the gospel back in 2016, you've, you've changed a lot. So I definitely want to get into that. But the first thing I want to ask you about is, uh, so you live in this deconsecrated church you have a cross on the cover of your album but you also reference alistair crowley and william burroughs so what is your relationship with christianity oh this is a question for karen then uh yeah, yeah. uh well i grew up in a i grew up in this church basically i had my first performance here when i was two years old so i'm uh brought up christian um I kind of always sat with a feeling of um, that something was a bit fishy. So I never really uh, fully bought into it. I thought it was great to have a, a you know a stage for me to perform to a pretty uh, uncritical audience. But uh, I, you know, when I grew up as a kid, I thought. Uh, the world was uh, um, a magical place and I wanted it to be a magical place. But um, then when you grow up, when the, you go into school and uh, religion tells you uh, differently. So I, I kind of, uh, when we moved here, me and Shetil, I kind of reclaimed that uh, feeling I had as a kid that the, the world is actually magical and that you decide yourself, you build your own world. So I was quite happy when we, turn this into our own religion that was a long answer but that's the answer <laughs> now that's fascinating that this is sort of a childhood or has childhood significance for you so now you're here with your own child in fact this is your second child is that right yeah so what's what's that like for you bringing up children in this environment you know whether it's specifically about christianity or just kind of you know about the 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 magic of the world how are you sort of introducing that to your children? Oh, that's a really big question. <laughs> I think for me, the most important uh, lesson that I've learned is that uh, kids don't have to become anything. They already are, uh, you know, full developed human beings. And that actually what they are born with, the magic that they are born with, is just a matter of trying to keep that rather than changing them into something else. So I think that's kind of what we're trying to do. Okay. 
No, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm still fascinated by the sense that you're now living where you were first performing when you were two years old. This really is kind of, kind of magical. Yeah, it is quite. Uh, it, it is um, a lot of history yeah. here, and I feel I managed to turn it into uh, our own thing. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good segue because talking about something being its own thing, I feel like the latest album is its own thing kind of independently from independent from anything. Um, if I was going to go with the dichotomy of the title, it seems like this is maybe emerging from the darkness into the light. Like it feels like it's your most positive, maybe even playful album. Is that accurate in the way that you see it? Yes, absolutely. So um, it was a, a, it was quite a process. It's, kind of starting in a pandemic but i had to um so so thematically this album was it, it, i i figured out that after being on a high for a very long time after my illness i was really you know i was i was really sick um about 10 years ago and i almost died and i came out of that alive with a second chance and going on out of out of that turmoil i was you know i was on a high for a really long time i think you naturally are uh but then as years progressed and got back into some sort of normal i realized that there were certain issues that I, that i had to deal with um to be able to go on basically and um in that process of kind of pulling myself out of the mud I found out that that it was there was a lot of positive stuff coming out of it. And this album is a lot about that. It's also about our life here in the church. Um and yeah, we try to be a little playful with it too uh, obviously, but it's it's definitely the of darkness and light is as you say it's kind of coming out of the darkness and 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 finding you know not maybe not you know finding your full potential is what it's all about really but it's we, i'm not saying we've we've found that yet but at least now we know it's there somewhere um so i took the title from it's somewhere in in uh, nietzsche's writing it is it has nothing to do with nietzsche i, I just thought it was a really fitting title for that process of of trying to um yeah, as i said kind of climbing out of the mud we also figured that we had to become a little bit more positive because we tried the negative way and it didn't work very well. <laughs> so now, yeah. now we're trying the more positive side of things and see how that goes down. Yeah. And when you say that, when you say you tried the negative, are you talking about, you know, specific music or talking about kind of lifestyle or? Yeah, I think it, it's a, it's a, all of that. All of that. Yeah, exactly. It's a mental thing. It's uh it's, it's very easy to become quite negative in this world if you're not conscious of not being negative, especially yeah. uh, who you are and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a really complicated thing with a lot of factors. I think even goes back to some sort of uh, I would even say some sort of geographical <laughs> uh, um, thing because it's uh, I mean I grew up where it's like Scotland where I grew up, basically. You know, it's a lot of wind, a lot of rain, a lot of 
darkness. And there's no wonder that there are quite a few famous black metal bands that came out from the exact same place. And, you know, it's Norway where there's no snow. It's always 13 degrees. You know, you English people can relate. And I can relate to you guys, too, <laughs> you know. And, um, and maybe, you know, and we grew up in the 90s. It was all a little, uh, I hate myself and want to die. And, uh-huh. and, and kind of, and if you're prone to take that in as a person, then maybe, you know, at least I was. So, so all of those things kind of... Um, kind of made things maybe a little more pessimistic than it should. It was more, you know, half empty uh, glass compared to the half full. <laughs> so it's starting to feel like it's half full now. It does, for sure. But we're working on it. We're Let's working see. on it, yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and also we were, so back to the thing about the pandemic, we were really like, because it was a good, it was a really good break for us, the pandemic. All of a sudden we had a chance to, get to think about what we're doing for a little while because there's always you know there's always the next show always the next festival always the next project and just keep on going and finally we got a pause a little break and we did some thinking and we decided the band is going to be me and Karin and um this is our 10th album so we kind of just decided to to make it a celebration and I think that it worked out no I think I think definitely it was Thank actually you. a good um, like analogy when when the pandemic started. We were like, oh, all right, okay. So and everyone was like, oh, we're not going to make any money. Kind of panicking about it, and we thought, okay, what should we do if we can't go and do any gigs or whatever? And then uh, we thought maybe we should start a web shop, and we we digged out all the we didn't we didn't decide that we were going to start a web shop at first. We digged out all the t-shirts that we have and realized we had like five hundred Orabro t-shirts in different designs flying around. And Shieti was like, let's burn them. I hate all of these designs. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's sell them. Let's try and sell No one's going to want to buy these T-shirts, Shieti said. And then uh, we decided to put up a web shop and we sold for like 5,000 euros the first month. And we were like, oh my God, this is actually a good idea. And that's a good example of like, our old us would maybe just have burned them all, but then we decided to like maybe yeah, make a living on the mid. Take something positive out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with the with the last album with Norwegian Gothic, I feel like if you listen to that with of darkness and light, there are you know there's there's still a lot of similarities between the two. Um, but yeah, you, you you seem to have more of the of the light in the latest album. Was Norwegian Gothic was that all done completely before? the pandemic and then things all closed down after that came out. Did you get to do like a full kind of promotional cycle or did that get shut down midway through? Um, Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I I was actually on the, I was on the plane from England. We did the drums and the guitars and stuff in England and you guys shut down literally the next day. I remember the airport being full of Italians and I was just like, Hmm, I've heard some rumors about Italy. (laughs) Um, So it was all done before the, pandemic then and it was released in a pandemic so there were no shows and stuff but um you know we we get a lot of attention in media so it was you know the, the i didn't feel like the album drowned in any way um i feel that we got a lot of attention but not the usual tours to follow up obviously mm. yeah this latest record is this the first time that you've worked with now i'm probably going to pronounce his name incorrectly alan johannes that was perfect too um <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> the Americans, uh, they usually go for Alan and Johannes. Uh, Alan Johannes, but he's he's... He's a uh, he's born in Chile and he grew up in Europe and stuff. So his name is actually Alan Johannes, like you said it. Nice. Um, I think I I think I you, saw a note that you you were attracted to working with him because of the the work he did on Straight Songs of Sorrow, which yeah. piqued my interest because I love Mark Lanigan. Oh yeah. Was that was that kind of a long term um, inspiration for you? And that was. Yeah, what was the sort of connection for you there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, in the because that record came out twenty twenty, and that was I was so into it, and I had a lot of time to listen to it too. So we had it on vinyl, and on the back it was said produced by Alan Johannes. So it was name kept coming up every time I pick, put it on, and um, so we had a list of producers, and we had all the songs ready, and I just waited for I don't know some I, I, we didn't really know what to do. Um, but we knew that we had to record these songs, you know, and t- the clock were ticking and we're just waiting for the right moment to kind of decide on, on either of these names. And then we went, we had the project down in France and the guy who put up this project, he said, literally on the first night we met, he said that my friend, Alain, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, my friend, oh, Alain Johannes, you mean? And, uh, he was like, yes. And oh, text him, you know, ask him if we can do a session in the church. And so he did. And Alan replied right away. Yes, thanks for the opportunity. So literally a couple of months later, after that text message, he was here and he stayed here for a month recording uh, the new album. And was this was this the first time that you recorded in the church? Everything in the church. It's also the first time... Karen was part of the whole recording process and also the first time she's playing mood based synthesizers. And um, yeah. One of the things that popped up for me when I was, I was thinking about all the different musical impressions of the album, and I'm going to be curious to find out if this is completely off target because I haven't heard anyone else mention this, but I was listening and I was thinking after a few, a few tracks, I thought this reminds me of Gary Newman. Is that, accurate at all or have i just plucked that out of the void <laughs> that's good yeah i think uh gary newman has uh, you know found his way probably in somehow via yeah. via i i actually uh supported him once when we played in reading but we played his we, records a lot we, yeah the uh, earlier gary newman and chibway mm. army mm. we've yep. been playing it a lot it's a it's an influence for sure and you are correct and that's well spotted because yeah. you're the first <laughs> well, I was thinking about your voice because I've seen people talk about birthday party and swans, and I get yeah. birthday party from the point of view of some of the rhythms. I don't really hear uh, particularly Nick Cave in your voice. And with swans, I'm not sure if I really get the connection. Maybe something to do with sort of the evolution of the band and maybe some of the sort of themes that you're interested in. But from a musical point of view, I don't really hear swans. Um, yeah. But yeah, I heard some Gary Newman. I even feel like maybe I hear a bit of Matt Johnson of the the in your voice. Oh yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. I think I've 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 seen you mention in interviews that you're both kind of punk post punk kids. So I guess there's a lot of of British '80s music that sort of got into you. Would that be Would that be accurate? What was kind of the music that really first inspired you to to make music yourselves? 
Oh, first inspired. Uh, if I'm going to start, it's definitely the grunge era because I was a teenager when the whole thing happened and it was Nirvana that got me into playing the guitar and writing songs at all, you know, and from there on Melvin's and all of these sort of heavier grun- grunge bands. Jesus Lizard? Uh, absolutely, Jesus Lizard, and uh, uh, for sure, you know, and... Um, and uh, going back, or these bands were really inspired by the, you know, parts of the post-punk movement for sure. And, you know, magazine and uh, Killing Joke, uh, especially. Um, uh, Wire and all of these bands are huge influence and have been for quite some years. And on this record, you can hear a lot of Killing Joke, at least I can hear a lot of Killing Joke stuff going on too. And and uh, kind of grunchy you know, grunchy type of songs, um, which was probably similar to your upbringing, Calvin. I, I, we're all, you know, we were teenagers in the 90s. It was kind of inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the whole grunge thing. Yeah. At, at this point now, you know, thinking about the way that your your music's changed, is this that you're discovering new things or is it more that you're drawing from other things that you experienced in the past that you maybe didn't put into the music before? I, it, it's back to the pandemic. We decided to to make very. It has to do with distinction. We've talked about this before with in interviews, and it's it's a little bit hard uh, to explain because I've I've seen that interviewers have had a little bit of a problem understanding what we mean by the distinction because uh, often they refer to this distinction as pop, which is okay with me, but it's not. It doesn't have to do with pop at all or ex what's it called accessibility mm. um but it has to, has to do with the, when we mean distinction in songwriting it has to do with kind of getting rid of a little bit of the noise not in not as in the noise coming from the guitar but a little bit of the i don't know the faff the stuff <laughs> uh, and just making the songs very direct and directly understandable i think was the intention and and also back to the celebration, I kind of wanted, we wanted this album to be, to represent something that we were back then when we started out, but also definitely still is to this day. I also think that uh, as we become better songwriters and better musicians, we can allow ourselves to, you know, uh, really um, have audible lyrics. Like, I don't think you can hear much of the lyrics on any other Orabrot album, but now the lyrics were good enough to actually, you know, be really clear. And the riffs is, uh, you know, quite like distinct and not like loads of noise around them. And there's like the 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 buildup of the song is very clear. So all of those things is just just take away more of the unnecessary stuff and just keep the the essence of the song a bit more i think that's kind of what we mean and kudos to alan johannes for the production obviously he's very good at what he does this guy uh he's remarkably good and no wonder these guys you know dave grohl and josh josh Homm and and these people call up alan for when they need a musical fix you know yeah I mean, you've you've worked with some great 
people in terms of production engineering before. You've obviously worked yeah. with Steve Albini. So what would you particularly pinpoint about Alain that you, you found so impressive and so, um, so constructive to work with? His musicality. Incredible musicality. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's totally next level. And uh, as you said, we've worked with quite a few really well-known, amazing uh, producers and also musicians. But Alan is uh, something else. Like an, his musicality, but also his trust in us. Like he, we obviously felt like we had to rise to the occasion with him, and he was like treating us uh, as you know. Uh, he, we we really needed. Uh, I was a bit nervous because I've never played bass on a record before, but I really felt like I had to step up my game, and he really trusted me and us in that. So that was, I think, that's a capability that is really important as a producer as well to to bring up the best in in the artists and musicians. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess there's it's kind of that you can get different things from engineers or producers whether they want to get out what's in the the artist or whether they want to actually impose something onto the record as well. Did he actually play on the record? Yeah. He played slow, loads, uh, all kinds of guitars, and he he did something else too, like uh, little bits of synthesizer stuff and uh, hand claps and, you know. And ah, also- yes, I noticed, I noticed some hand claps somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and even uh, vocals, like he doubled some stuff with his vocals, and uh, he was all over. And it it was really a process. It was me and Karin and Alan who did this record for sure. There was a drummer, Thomas, came in and did his drums uh, really well in a couple of days, but the rest was totally just us doing this together. And so, thinking about how you're going to transform all of that live what's your and i know you're you're coming to berlin and i'm going to see you so i'm going to be there yeah. in berlin cool. uh, so i'm looking forward to that how are you planning to to take these from the record and and interpret them live oh that's pretty it's a pretty natural process uh i mean it's it's just picking up the songs uh i mean the the good oh. thing with a distinct song is that it can be played in any way so it's not going to sound exactly the same but it's gonna sound uh fucking rocking yeah and in yeah. terms of in terms of who's gonna be there on stage are you gonna it, it'll obviously be you two but who else is going to be part of the of the touring band oh yes it's drummer dam uh this time down so usually what we do is it's always us and plus a drummer live so uh, this is a trio this time yeah always a trio um this time it's uh dam Sipola from He's he's known from Mono. He's going to play the drums. Going back to the to the the children. So, uh, what what year was it that you had your first child? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. So I can I can kind of piece together that you had a very impactful period where you had the 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 illness. You had the throat cancer that you mentioned in two thousand and fourteen, yes. and you put out. The gospel in 2016 and i think that's maybe one of the the biggest shifts that can be heard on one of your records and then you had children in 2017 so you know maybe you could talk a bit about that time because i, I i'm kind of fascinated with how you got from where the band was originally through this evolution and i understand what you were saying about this sort of change in mindset recently but it does seem that that 
that illness and, and the period after had a very significant impact on you. So I'm wondering if you can kind of, you know, describe what the changes were that you went through and how that sort of led to this later evolution. Yeah, and you're completely right. And it was a big change for both of us because uh, Karen was there with me in this, you know, in the, uh, I don't know, the mayhem of that whole uh, year with the the illness and the treatment and then that whole the next year of just you know recuperating coming back to life and it kind of we grew up didn't we then it was like we went from some sort of uh not childhood but some sort of teenage younger years to a more mature version of ourselves who uh, and I think you once you deal with death not just as a metaphor, it really does something to you. And I think everyone who's lived a little longer uh, would know about this, which goes kind of hand in hand with giving birth, though, because I mean it's it's such big things, you know. I don't know. Do you have kids? No, no. So it's 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 like a it's just um. Uh, those two things are really it, it, it's no, a different thing isn't no, but it it was it was kind of bigger than that though because before she had been got ill like he was worried about everything and uh, as we said like the the thought loops were very negative about everything and uh when he got ill it was like no surprise at all really not to me and not really to him either. And when he actually survived this, we said that, look, something has to change because otherwise you're just going to get ill again and because this is not going to work. So we really decided to take some uh, steps to try to, um, uh, you know, be a bit better at living and then we got married the year after and then we had a child and so it like getting married and having a child i would say was the result of making this big change in both of our lives because it was just like so many things that just kept going as, as an artist there's always like a lot of choices and a lot of uh you know players in life that you need to um you know what the like involve yourself in you can either yeah. involve yourself in all the problems or you can involve yourself in all the progress so we um we really had to make that shift and that's the the, the biggest difference in the um, in the production, I think. And when we had a child, we realized, okay, now we don't have uh, unlimited time either. So let's mm. just keep all the faff and just get to work. Because if we're going to do this, uh, because it's what we love and the only thing that we can do, we have to uh, just, you know, keep the engine running pretty fast. So that's kind of what we did. Yeah, kind of like focused you more in terms of the, the, the way to get things done. and Totally using the time Absolutely. effectively yeah so all of this you can hear then in the on these records and uh you, you're correct uh, the gospel was a big change and it also was very good for us the gospel we got a lot of attention it kind of dragged us you know it was one step one huge step up 
um, after that record, which we're you know really happy about. Yeah, it's a it's a really fascinating progression, and I think as well, you know, it's <laughs> it's easy to kind of mythologize um, artists when they're going through some kind of trauma, but at the same time, it's also kind of egocentric to just want to enjoy your artist's suffering. You know, it's, there is really genuine pleasure in, in some kind of positivity in artists. You know, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with, with artists becoming more positive. I think it's, it's, you know, it's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Cause there's enough of the other stuff. I just read a book about uh, writers and alcoholism and I mean, oh my God, OMG. <laughs> There's plenty of it about, yeah. Oh. Um, thinking about thinking about current um, lyrical influences, you've talked about Cormac McCarthy before as being an influence. Is that someone who still um, had an impact in your writing, or would you would you mention any anything else in particular on the latest album? Uh, yeah, definitely Cormac McCarthy. I mean, he he will always be there. I don't think it's. Mm, I can't remember if if it's specifically any other. The, you know, I'm I'm using certain as I, as I said there's a Nietzsche thing but it's not about Nietzsche in any way because a, a lot of interviews uh, interviewers have been you know interested in is this about Nietzsche is this all like you know goth rock from Norway uh, inspired by Nietzsche but it's not at all but it's his writing is there for sure and it has to do with back to what Karen was talking about you know reaching some sort of fulfilling your own potential potentiality is really what it's about um but there's no other direct influences on this one as i can think of uh but i have my favorites who, are, who would always be there ballad and um mm, i love ballad McCarthy. yeah yeah he's he's phenomenal um and there's there's a couple of others but yeah and karen for you you've been involved with the band for a long time and now it seems that you're you're sort of more directly being referred to as, you know, part of now the band being a duo. How do you feel? Um, what do you think your contribution is to the band? And what, what do you think you're, you're bringing to it now? Um, Apart from playing the bass and singing. Yeah. Well, um, and playing organs. Yeah. That's, that's also a quite a big question. I think that it, um, and vocals. Yeah. So the, and uh yeah. I, I think, think it, it it has a it has on a my biggest contribution is more on the the um, mental plane I think. Um there's a like an energy that me and Shetil has together that um I don't think that he could have with any other person. I, I think it's a uh, it's um more of a yeah it's a more of a um, state of mind thing uh, as well as the um the uh, the you know actual playing and the musical influence of course like we were very far apart um in the beginning when we met like musically but we also had some um things in common and then over the years we've educated each other and listened to each other's music a lot which means that we now have a very uh you know very varied 
um, perspective, like a, a a broad perspective on music, and uh, yeah, I think that mix has kind of made what I brought into what it is now. And as a couple who create together and who who share a stage together, do you feel like there is a difference between you as the performance pair and you as a couple with a family? Do you have to sort of separate these two things or does it all just kind of circulate all around together? Yes, it can mix, mix, what's it called? Mix, mash. It's exactly exactly the same. Like I don't feel any difference in who we are as a family and who we are on stage it's just exactly the same thing it's just it is. a little bit exaggerated maybe on I, stage i have a bigger hat on stage yeah that's the party <laughs> hat i'm wearing the party hat so uh, yeah there's little change and a lot of people ask this question because sometimes uh, we get the question why do you dress up like you do why do you you know this masquerade or whatever um and uh we would always say it's not you know, we're not dressing up really. I mean, yeah, I put on the party hat, but it's it is us still. We this is what we do. This is not some sort of you know after work, I don't know, hobby project. It's it's a lifestyle. It's uh, it's everything we do all day every year, and we're not fucking around with it. We're serious about it, and and um, this is uh, what we do. Yeah. Well, I think that is a is a perfect punctuation for the interview so thank you both very much for your time um yeah everyone should go and check out of darkness and light and catch you on tour as well so when does the when does the tour start and um where will you be going yeah it's exactly one week um it starts november 1st in copenhagen and then it goes via uh, germany and uh, holland and belgium to um great britain England, Scotland, and then France, Italy, Czech Republic, Poland, almost all of Europe, and um, Berlin, the 25th. That's the last one then. Oh, brilliant. I'll get you right at the end when you're totally, totally fired up from the whole sequence of events. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking forward to meeting you there. Please come by the merch table. That's usually where we hang. I definitely will. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. So yeah, have a great start to the tour. And uh, yeah, see you in Berlin. See you in Berlin. Good, good to talk to you. It was good questions. Yeah, really good. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All the best. Take care. Take care, man. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at Ghost Cult Mag. Until the next time, peace. <laughs>